A big thank you to our sponsor, iFixit, who fights for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She's a beacon of hope in the darkest night. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She'll teach you how to make it all alright. Hey there, hi, my name is Mercury, and I'm the trans handy ma'am. My pronouns are she, her, and I teach compassionate DIY. We're here to help renters, LGBTQIA members, and anyone who's feeling left out in a DIY space. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, thank you for joining us in this wonderful episode of the Handyman Hotline. And as always, I'm joined by my amazing co-host, the amazing, the talented, the absolutely extreme, <laughs> Maggie Conrad. Hey, everybody. And Maggie, the audience is local for you, Maggie. <laughs> Did you guys plan that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. All aboard the Maggie train, everybody. <laughs> it's going to be a fun episode. For those who do not know, we are going to be answering five questions on this episode, and all five questions I've never heard before. Some are going to be voice messages, I believe, Mm -hmm. and some are going to be text messages that all have been sent to our phone number at 608-205-8768. That's 608-205-8768. And you can text or call us and leave a voicemail. And we might actually uh, answer here on the podcast one of these weeks. Oh, yeah. But, Maggie, before we begin, just a check-in. How are you doing? I am doing well. You know, everybody is getting sick around everybody. And we're just trying to stay healthy. Luckily, no COVID. Glad yeah. to have you back. Yeah, it's a. I, I feel like... It's a rough winter. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm about to be sick for the longest I've been sick in three years. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's just so it. One of the things that that COVID experience taught me was the value of wearing a mask. Yeah. And I really we wear masks all the time everywhere. Yeah. I encourage everybody to wear masks all the time. At every Everything you go to. I think that's just smart. It's kind. It's thoughtful. And I don't think it does much for you. Like, I don't think. It's that hard to do. Yeah. And I don't think it's that much of an inconvenience for everybody. And I think it can genuinely save lives for people who are immunocompromised. Yeah. And I have also realized how less sick I've gotten. Yeah. Because I I, I still go and do stuff. You know, I just I wear a mask or I stay away from people. When I, I did a show recently at the Majestic Theater here in Madison. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in full makeup and I'm hosting a show... I don't wear a mask, but I'm often like not mixed with the audience, right. you know? As soon as I get mixed with the audience, that's why I put my mask on, you know? Or I try to avoid them <laughs> altogether. Yeah. But the amount of people that were there that were not wearing a mask always deters me from going out to places more. Yeah. You know, it's it's shocking. And I'm not trying to shame anybody who goes to events and not wear a mask. We're all able to make our own decisions, but I do encourage people very strongly to be considerate Mm -hmm. and that for a lot of people COVID has not moved on we're still 4,000 new patients every week there's a 4,000 people dying a week I know that it's 400 people a day that are dying that's wild yeah that's I mean I I just want everyone to be mindful that's that's those are human there's not just a number that you drop in a hat that's humans you know, so be mindful and be thoughtful. But anyways, that's a very somber note to go right in the beginning <laughs> of the podcast. Let's try to answer some cues, and I'm going to bat them down with my big bat of an A. 
That worked, right? We all agreed that made sense. That made that was a great analogy. It made sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maggie seems so. All right, Maggie. I can already tell this podcast is we're off the deep end. I think that train went off the tracks. <laughs> all right, Maggie. Give me that first question, and uh, I'm gonna do the thing. Hi, Mercury. My name is Jennifer. I go by she/her. I had a question. I am a homeowner, but we have three stories, and our washer and dryer are on the second floor, and it goes up and out. Well, I can't find anybody who is willing to clean out my dryer vents that high. I've used like the you know ones you get with the vacuums and things and the brush. You do yourself. But I can't, you know, the ones that go outside, I don't know what to do. And I really don't want fires and things. So that I guess they just, they don't have ladders that are tall enough or anything. So if you had any suggestions on how to clean that or, I don't know, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye. Hey there, Jennifer. I can tell just by the sound of your voice, you're exasperated. I can tell that this is like you have been wondering this question for a while Mm -hmm. and it's been marinating in the back of your head and you are stressed. I just want to assure you right now, we're going to give you some answers. Okay. This is not, you know, when it comes to like that buildup and that lint buildup, it is scary. Right. But I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of this like fear we have around Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, you got a little lint. You're going to spark up like you're a bunch of cotton balls. I mean, there is some truth to all of that. But the thing is, it's not as frequent as you think it is. It's if a fire starts, that's going to be, you know, more, it's going to exasperate the fire. But right. often, that's not going to start the fire typically. Not saying it couldn't. It definitely could. But it's not as common, right? So, like, take off a little bit of that pressure on you, okay? And know that we're going to give you some answers that can point you down in the right direction, Okay. Now, you're talking about the dryer vent for your dryer on your second floor, right? And you're trying to get people to come out to clean it, but they won't clean it because it's, I'm, I'm su- supposing it's on either the second floor has a vent system that's right there or it's on the roof. Typically, it's on the mm. roof. I just think the vent system is on the roof, yeah. and that's why they don't want to come in. She said it did go up and out. Yeah. A, I think that's a little bit of a, a wild thing because roofers will also do that. Mm. Roofers will also clean your vent out. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew a roofer that did that all, stuff all the time. It's while they're up there, they do that anyways. Sure. You know what I mean? It takes less than 10 minutes. So, and it's extra chunk of change for them. So, maybe that's a route to go if that is something you want to do from the up on the roof. But... Another route you can go is get an extension for your drill. You can get these extensions. May you want to look this up for me? Just make sure I get this right. There's these dryer cleaner vents for your drills, and they come in these like about like thirty inch like sections, and you can get them and attach them and get as long as you need, right? And I think what you could do here is get yourself a good amount of these, and then clean it out from the inside. Yeah. So they have dryer vent cleaner kits and they come in multiple pieces so it can go up to 20 feet but it's like a long cable that can attach to other pieces of long cable so you can like break it apart if you don't need the full 20 feet but yeah it attaches to your your drill for cleaning so if your if your ladder doesn't go all the way up this yeah reaches 20 feet so that they make them go longer too 
They like how much mm. is it? How much is it, Maggie? Was it thirty five bucks, forty bucks? Well, the twenty foot one is twenty dollars, and the forty foot one is forty dollars. So they oh, do have okay, they're pretty one. affordable. Yeah, I would, I would, I wouldn't buy cheap. I wouldn't yeah. buy cheap because you don't want to damage the vent either. You don't right. want to, you know. And often when you buy cheap, you have an expensive fix. So don't go the cheapest route. Go the medium route. Okay, don't go the highest. Don't go to the, the lowest, but go right in the middle. And do what's best for you. Look up the reviews of the product and then go that route, whatever best for you. But, Jennifer, that's the first thing I would say right off the bat. I think you can do this with a, a good drill adaption, and it's not going to be too difficult. It might be a little overwhelming at first, but you can look this up online, and it might take some of the ease right off. When you're doing this indoors, though, I would have a vacuum going, and I would have a friend or someone in your life you trust having a vacuum right next to the hole. So when you're doing all of that and you're dragging, you know, that back and forth and all that dust is going to come back at mm. you, that you have someone who's collecting the dust as you're doing it. So doing it from the inside yes. and trying to contain having, the dust. Having a shop vac mm-hmm. there would mm-hmm. be the ideal condition. But if not, a regular vacuum would do enough, you know. But it's going to get clogged up pretty good with that, you know. The, the, the filters are going to get clogged pretty fast. Yeah. With how much lint might come out if it's been a while. But... I think another thing to think about too is you want to have PPE. You want to be. I would wrap everything in plastic and like make a little like like a mini room, a almost a little cocoon. A little cocoon while you're trying to vacuum up because there's going to be it's going to get everywhere. It's gonna if you're doing it inside, you're you're way more likely to make more of a problem. And you want to detach the venting system from the dryer. Move the dryer away from it if you can. And then go from that venting system, and that should be good to go, okay? Did I answer that one good, Meg? Did I miss yeah, anything on that? that was great. Matt, anything to add there? We're going to add Matt into this, too, since we get another. Did I answer it good? <laughs> you did Fabulous. very well. Wow. <laughs> we, I got two people who agree with me that I did a good job. So, Jennifer, <laughs> I hope you agree. And I also just want to articulate one more time for you, Jennifer. I know this is stressful and it's scary to do all the stuff. And I think you're going to do a great job, and you got this. Okay, you got this. So, yeah, next one. <laughs> All right. Segway. This is a text from Andrew, uh, pronouns he, him, from Sanford, North Carolina. Ooh. It also comes with a picture, so I'll, sh- I'll show you that. Oh, pictures. Um, Hi, Mercury. My partner and I recently bought an older mobile home as our starter home. It's a 1971 mobile home, and a lot of the windows have cranks. They're loose and just go in circles, and we can't figure out even how to fix the crank so we can open the windows to get some fresh air. Any chance you can help? I'm slowly learning a lot of things since it's a fixer-upper, but this is something I just can't figure out. Thank you for all you do from your trans not-so-handy man. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew, you're killing me. Uh, I love that. Okay, wonderful. It's a side crank, too, so it's not even a center crank, how they're common there. So this crank... I'm looking at this picture right now. It appears that the crank got loose from this mechanism. Mm. And so the way that these windows work, right, is that the hand crank is spinning like a clock gear. And that gear system is then making something else that's going flat, pulling the the arm of the window back and forth, Mm -mm. right? So that's like the gear mechanism to some extent. There's always a different route, but often something gets loose, right? Or the tension is is gone and you need to then either get a replacement like crank system or you can just fix what you got, right? 
without seeing the crank system for hand, um, Andrew, I can't tell you exactly what to do, but I'm going to give you some homework, okay? I want you to look at a bunch of how-to videos and type in how to repair a window crank, right? And I want you to just go down that rabbit hole and see the various different ways people have fixed this, right? I am sure that you're not going to find the exact version of your window, but maybe if you find out enough of how these various cranks work, you may be able to look at yours and then apply some of that knowledge in ways that's going to kind of fix it in a special way, right? Sometimes it's like drilling a new hole into the, the system and then adding a screw and adding a bolt and then having it connected in a different way. You, sometimes you've got, you got to cobble things together. In an ideal world, you would have a, a crank system replacement. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, they have like 9-inch hand crank teardrop casements. They have replacements for like 20 30 bucks at HD Supply. There's a whole bunch of different routes. There's a, a hundred, wow, it gets real pricey real fast when we're talking about the casement and the hinge factor with these. But some of these can go up to $100. But I don't think from what I saw, that's a really expensive one. I think it's a, a $20 one. You could buy a, a whole new casement for it and install it yourself, and there should be online. But remember, there's a right and left version of this from what I'm seeing online. Mm-hmm. So however you have it, make sure it's the right alignment. Try to make sure we're looking that up and looking the manual up and, and kind of guessing and seeing the best we can. So, yeah, those kind of stuff is always difficult. Yeah. That, like, anything that has a lot of moving parts. In the last episode, we were talking about a sink assembly stopper. Right, those sink stoppers. And we were talking about a ceiling fan. Anything that has a lot of parts where it's like a lot could go wrong, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a lot of variations within those solutions, right? Those solutions are not going to be something that I'm going to explain very well in a TikTok. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be a minute fix. It's not going to be a 35-second, ha-ha, you mean I can just use soap for dry lubricant to fix my wood and wood drawer oh my god you know it's not going to be something as magnificent it's going to be a little bit more grimy a little bit more dirty and perhaps a little bit more you know you know blue collar farm boy type of fixes but nothing is going to make you more gender euphoric there andrew than getting yourself all dirty and trying to fix this window i'm going ha i'm a real boy you know you're gonna do great i'm real proud of you you're gonna kill it and then let us know how it goes. I really want to know how that fix. We have another text from TJ, they, them, uh, located in tropical Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Oh! Hey, Mercury. My name is TJ, and I have a question for you. I used those awful sticky strips we all hate like two years ago on the walls of my home studio because I didn't know better at the time. And per our lease, we can't nail into the walls of our apartment. Now, I'm trying to prepare to move out, but those sticky strips are, of course, removing the first layer of drywall when I pull them off. Is there any way to fix the spots where the first layer of drywall was removed, or did I just lose my security deposit? For the strips that I haven't removed yet, is there a way to remove them safely that won't damage the rest of the wall? Thank you for all you do. Love the podcast. I am going to take this from the last part of the question first. Okay. How do you remove it to begin with? We've I kind of answered this before. I think I'm going towards the route of telling people to use a steamer. Yeah. You've yeah. We've said, I, I think a steamer might do a better job than you think. And of course, 
What kind of command strip is this? Oh, this is not even a command strip. This is like a. Is this a gorilla tape? Is this the? It looks like you know, like a the, melting tape or whatever um, it is. That clear plastic acrylic, the alien tape almost. If you look at the first picture, there they look like tiles that were put on the wall, like decorative tiles, and it looks similar to the decorative tiles that you put up in your office with those acoustic. Yeah, but the the tape that they're using looks like that alien tape or mm. that gorilla mounting tape. And that yeah. stuff, holy shit, that's strong. It's yeah. like really strong. We used some of that alien tape here in the studio just a few weeks ago and boy, <laughs> like it was up it for It ripped off the drywall after like an hour? Yeah. Yeah, it like ripped a <clears throat> gouge right out of a drywall. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't like this stuff. Oopsie doodle. Um, but oopsie doodle? Whoopsie doodle? Whoopsie doodle? Is that like is that a kind of poodle? I don't know. It's what I it's what me and my son say. <laughs> That's adorable. Maggie, you're such a mom. You're the you're wonderful. Okay. So to this, I think a steamer might be the route to go. Maybe. That's gonna be rough. Um Okay. Okay. The truth of this is the kind of mounting tape you used, you're probably not gonna get it off without damaging it. Mm. You can roll your finger on it and try to roll it back mm-hmm. and don't Try to, like, stretch it down. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're trying to stretch out the adhesive underneath it. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. get a piece of it and try to pull it straight, flat, and down. Kind of like how you emulate the the little pull tab on the command strip. Yes. You might be lucky that way. And if someone else is right next to you and applies steam to it, it might help loosening it up. But I got to tell you, from what I'm seeing in these pictures, I think you're kind of... No offense, but shit out of luck. You know what I mean? (laughs) I think you're going to have to focus on drywall repair. Now, drywall repair, I have a bunch of videos on this, a bunch of different ways to go about this. But the route I would go for you is probably going to be joint compound. Get yourself a good joint knife, which is about six inches. Get yourself a tray that you can put mud in. And a joint compound and look up some videos about how to use joint compound. And then be aware of like doing several layers of joint compound. Joint compound is the stuff that we usually use when we are making the walls to begin with. When we're actually like applying the walls, joint compound is used to seal the seams and etc. So it's stuff that is already going to be within the wall. It's strong once it dries and it's also flexible so it will move with the movement of the house and the structure of the house over time and it's my favorite stuff to use because even if you're a novice and you haven't done it stuff before it a set time is really slow so it allows for a lot of changes and a lot of like variations and a lot of skill sets because you can take your time and if you're not someone who likes sanding you don't have to do coats in between you're trying to make when you're doing drywall repair it's very hard to talk about and not show you. But when you do drywall repair, it's not about creating flatness. It's about creating the illusion of flatness. Mm-hmm. Okay? So those gouges that you have, you're going to have a bulge. You're not going to have a flat surface to work with. So make an on-ramp from all of the sides, all around it. You're making an on-ramp. You're feathering off. If it's a two-inch gap, 
You want it to be a five inch cover. Do you know what I mean? Like it needs to be the 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 surface area that you're covering with a mud is going to be bigger than the actual hole itself. Mm, mm -hmm. And that extra surface area that you're applying the mud to is going to be the on-ramps. So it's making it look like it's flat because it's so gradual of a slight incline that by the time it gets to where that hole is or the gouge is, you've built up the mud nice and slow and flat that you're not noticing it. So it's kind of like building up around a hill so that there's less slope. Yeah, yeah, like like yeah, like a mount, imagine that you have a mound by your house and you want to build a house on that mound, but you need to have a flat piece of area. So instead of like building a house on an angle, right? <laughs> you're going to add a whole bunch of dirt to rise it up essentially and to make it look like it matches the other area around it. That is the idea of it, right? That's how you should go about it. Now, if you're someone who hates dust, right, you can get dust control, sanding blocks, you can do wet sanding, where you take a sanding block, you dip it in water, and then you're slowly and surely wiping some away and then putting it back in the water and wiping it away and putting it back in the water and rinsing it and repeat. It takes a long time. Or if you use joint compound, you can just get a rag and then feather off the sides, and that's all you got to do. The rag, a wet rag will wipe away and feather off the sides of the... The, the... While it's still wet? Mm -hmm. While the mud is still wet? No. The, oh. The mud can be dry. Oh, let nice. the mud Let the mud completely dry. It takes about maybe 24 to 30 hours to fully cure. And then the mud will be able to be wiped away with a wet rag. There will maybe like a ridge or two. The ridge or two you can knock down with a flat blade like a joint knife. And then you can always sand it down slightly with like 140 grit sanding block or something, or 160 grit or something. Kind of like fine grit, but not too fine. And if you have texture on your wall, I don't know if they did or not. If you have texture on your wall, you're going to need to get the spray texture for it. Yeah, I think their walls look um, flat. Oof. Most. If they're flat. really flat, a little texture, yeah. If there's a tiny texture, you could still spray it. That might help hide some of the imperfections. But, like, if it's a flat wall, you are going to probably see to some extent. Or, if all that sounds too much, just be okay with losing a deposit. Right? If I just described what is appear to be a nightmare, just build it into your budget when you're moving out. Okay? Just know that mm -hmm. that's going to be something. And it might say in your lease how much each damage will be. Or, let them know ahead of time and see if you can work something out. You know, be like, hey, I screwed up. I made a gouge. Can you repair it ahead of time or da, 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 or charge me now? And those kind of things. Like you can work it out with your with the landlord or with the technicians and see if you can figure something out. Because it is going to be, from how many tiles you put on the wall, mm -hmm. it could be a lot more damage than you think. Yeah, it's like the whole I, wall. I wish you the best, but I do fear that it's not going to be a great outcome. Good luck, TJ. Good luck, TJ. And also, hey, by the way. This stuff happens. Yeah. I, this is not the first, I saw this so many times with LED strips, mm, with mm -hmm. so many things on a wall. It's fine. I, I don't understand when people get mad about wall damage. I will never understand it. it yeah, to me, it's, it's repairable. It's silly. It's like, if you got mad, if you made a problem with a brick wall, or you messed up my concrete wall, I might have more <laughs> of a, a problem with it. But it's drywall. You know what I mean? Like, it's. It's so much easier to fix and to do. I say this a lot, but like that is a part of the dice that you roll as a landlord. Right. 
And when other people are making your property their home, you should be aware of that when you're doing this work. And that I think it's very important for them to make their home feel like their home. And putting those on the wall and doing the things they got to do and making it in a home office and having those acoustic stuff on the wall, I think that's important to do and for you to feel like it's your home. Yeah. Good luck, TJ. Hi, my name is Erin. My pronouns are she, her. I'm an immense fan. You've been so helpful to me over the last two years. But my question is, I have a outlet socket that you would like put electronics into. Um, it's above my couch, but it's completely falling out of the wall. I mean, it's attached to the drywall on one side, but not the other. I've tried to bring it to the attention of my landlord, but they suck. And they can't move because the area that I'm in, there's very little housing. And I'm also scared because of other personal reasons. But I can't get them to fix it. How can I fix it by myself? And also, landlord issues. How is there a better way to get a hold of the ordinances or rules that landlords have to follow in my area? I've tried to look it up on my community or, like, my city website. But it's very overwhelming for me, and I was wondering if you had any other pointers on how to make it less overwhelming, because I've had quite a few issues with my landlord. None of them are, like, life or death issues, but they are issues that have never been taken care of, and they just don't seem very in a hurry to fix them. Thank you, and as always, you are wonderful. Thank you for everything you do. Bye. Well, hey, Erin. Okay, we're going to answer the landlord question first, and then we're going to go right into the how to fix that outlet. Because I took a look at the picture you sent me, and I think we can walk you through some stuff. Now, as far as, like, landlord and renter rights, how do you know for your specific area? Because if you're new to the podcast, you may not know this, but I don't necessarily always get along with landlords. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a reason why I, I we've just been doing this podcast for the last, like, three and a half, four months. I have gotten so many questions every week where it's like the, the landlords are neglecting their basic job. Yeah. And that is to get this stuff done. And I'm not going to lie to you. A loose outlet is a fairly serious problem. And people who overlook those problems are kind of rolling the dice of fate. You know, because that could, it could be an indication of a lot of problems. It always starts small, and it starts like, eh, you know, we'll get to it when we get to it. And then it grows into a larger problem. Don't push these problems off. Take care of them right away when you hear about them, because the chances are you heard about it late to begin with, you know? So how do you know what your rights are as a renter? So the first thing you're going to want to do is go to the Google and type in your area. So if we live in Madison, Wisconsin, you would type in Madison, Wisconsin, renters' rights, and then you would put how long does it take for a landlord to respond or how long does it take for a repair to be solved. You'll get some type of hit. Almost always you'll get a hit. And then it's about citing that ordinance, right? You'll have some type of like ordinance 17 of paragraph mm-hmm. 3 and blah, 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 blah. And often it will be very worded. But Overall, Maggie knows more than I do at this point because Maggie's compiled this part of the book. <laughs> Almost always, it will be the, the landlord, once they're notified about things like this, especially the electrical, they're typically given anywhere between a week to, to 30 days to actually get the job done. 
once it's not done, like you've got proof of concept, like you sent the email in, you sent the text in, you sent the letter in, you had this conversation, It's you can prove you had this conversation, and the landlord is neglecting their job and neglecting your needs, then you can bring it to court. And it all depends on how you go about this because some, it will say in the ordinances for your county, your city, in that you can even put that in there. You can say, you know, your your city, Madison, Wisconsin, and if it's legal or not to get a technician, right? You can hire a technician yourself and make the landlord pay for it. And Maggie, can you talk further about that real quick? Because you know a little bit more about that than I do at this point. Yeah. So one of the best resources that I found is a site called nolo.com. And they have like charts and lists of renters' rights by various topics. So you can either look at renters' rights by state or you could look at renters' rights like by question. Like this thing happened what are my rights? And then it'll take you to a page where it breaks down that question by state. So that would be where I would go to first because you could like even look up like your specific question. What is the website called again? NOLO, uh, N-O-L-O dot com. And if you Google like NOLO and like renters rights charts, it'll come up. They have a lot like they have different options. But like I said, you could either look at by state but that can be overwhelming or you can look at by question and then it'll be like, you know, I did, you know, I'm not getting my security deposit back. What do I do? And then it breaks it down by state, like what your rights are. Yeah. And in this instance, um, it would be uh, them not responding to a work order right. fast enough. Like this would be a work order or a job request or something around those lines worded yeah. that way. That would be the lack of response to this. And they are, by law, in most states, unless you're in Arkansas or Alabama, sadly. But in most right. states, you have a very strict amount of time you can respond to this stuff. And it's like two weeks, three days. And if they don't, fair housing can get involved yeah. and make their life a lot harder. Yeah. there. Most states will also have like a, a contact at the city. It, de- it depends on what they call it in your particular state. But if you look up like your city and just find a contact information they'll tell you who you you can who you can call there's like some kind of inspector or director depending on your on your city and and your state but you know actually getting somebody on the phone who can get you to the right person who would then because if it's something like you know heating or air conditioning or quality of life or something that like you know is affecting your ability to you know, live in a safe home, yeah. then the city will get involved. Now, this is where it becomes this gray area. Yeah. Because this is an outlet. Right. And is it an emergency? Is it not? Now, that's where it falls into this little area where everything we just talked about gets way more serious because there will be special conversations in the legislation or mandates where they have to respond a lot sooner to life-threatening and emergency right. reasons. So if you lose your your heat in the middle of winter, they got to respond within 24 or 48 hours or they're going to be in big, big trouble, right? Yeah. yeah. Now with electrical, with an outlet, this is a loose outlet. It, you're not having other problems that you're indicating. It might not be what they call an emergency. Right. But to me... As a technician, this could lead to one, right? I would want to know what's happening, right? So 
Now let's talk about you fixing this problem directly and seeing what we can do. The first thing you'll want to do is get yourself an outlet tester and put an outlet tester in there. And I want you to outlet tester or just put a radio in there, put a light in there and try to find the circuit breaker for that outlet and make sure that both sockets on that outlet are not running, right? You want to make sure you when you turn off the light that both of them are off and you have no power in that outlet. And then you can open up that outlet, take that screw off, and then take a look in there. And there's probably a screw or a nail that's holding up that quad box in there, that electrical box, to a stud. Now, I would hope that it's not just in the wall, like willy-nilly, just hanging around like, you know, you know, like the, the weird, you know, things in the back of a truck. You know, (laughs) Um, but that being said, I think that you can go in there, take the the actual outlet out, take the actual like sockets out, like unscrew the two screws that hold it into the The box box. and then pull pull back. You should have at least three to six inches of excess wire that you can pull back. And then you can take a flashlight and kind of look in there and see if there's something loose and, and if there's anything that's not there. If there is nothing it's holding on to. That's when you would take, in this instance, it's not your property. You can only do so much. You're not an expert. Get a block of wood, put it in the hole, screw it to the drywall, and then attach that goddamn thing to the block of wood. Mm-hmm. That would be what I would do. And in that, and then you're just filling up the, the gaps and the, and the holes that you're, you're making with the screws. Or get an oversized outlet cover. And cover it up, and then you won't even see the holes that way. Anyway, do you know what I mean, Maggie? Like, if there's nothing that that box is connected yes. to inside, and, give and, it something to and connect. I to. gotta tell you, every time that I see stuff like this, I'm always <clears> like, <throat> God damn it! I hope it, there's a stud right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope it's mm-hmm. a, I hope it's connected to something. Every once in a while, it's not. It's just willy nilly hanging back there like a dungleberry in the back of a cow's butt. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I get so angry about that because I'm like, you just set up the tenant to fail anyway, yeah. you know? But so I do have seen shit like that before. But there should be something that they can tighten on to. There should be. In an ideal world, that would be what was happening back there. But if not, that's when you get yourself some type of block of wood and you you screw it into the drywall and then you screw that into the electrical box, the electrical box into the, the, the piece of wood that you attached. And then you can cover up the holes with drywall mud, like joint compound or some type of like, you know, an all-in-one applicator for spackle. Mm-hmm. Or get an oversized outlet cover and just put the holes close enough <laughs> to the, where that's going to be and then have that oversized outlet cover and cover everything up. So, hey, if they're going to be, you know, the landlord special, yeah, do the landlord special back at them. You know, like, <laughs> do the best you can. Uh, but I can tell by the way you're asking this question and all this stuff, you're not an expert at this. Do the best you can and get that functional. Get a functional and whatnot. But I do encourage you to look into it in a legal way and go that route if you can. And stick it to them, you know, but just know the outcome might not be the way you want it to be because often it's not for tenants. And depending where you are in the country, it may not be is. But do what you can, do what the best is for you and be safe along the way and look up a bunch of tutorials and and really see all the if I'm in different angles and hopefully that works. But I think does that all make sense what I just said? Yeah. Good.
Is this yeah, how you I would... just I just wish Erin the best. It seemed like she was really sad about, you know, the landlord situation. I, I can tell there's more going on. When we are living in other people's property, it's so easy for them to make us feel lesser than. Yeah. And it's so easy to feel like you're subjected to other people's, you know, whims. For those who don't know, I'm a renter. And I've been living in the same place for about seven to eight years. And my rent for the place I've been living in for about seven years is going to go up $250 mm. this year. Mm-hmm. And we were just told this last week. And we're, we're going to be moving and maybe get a condo. I don't know. We don't know. Uh, me and Maggie are talking about that and what, <laughs> what I can afford. Because I don't, I'm not great with my finances. I've never have been. And um, I think it's hard for people who have been renters a long time yeah. and I think it does a lot to your mentality sometimes. You feel like, you know, it's not my home, so I can't fix it or I can't take care of it, but no one's taking care of it. So it just right. gets slowly worse and worse over time. And that's why I'm such an advocate for renters. Because, yep. like, I, I, I don't understand how someone can sit on top of this hill and be like, no, it's you can't damage my property, but then not take care of their own property. Yeah, Like, you don't have the gall to tell me, all these things that make me feel this way, but not actually care for it in the most basic way. And I've said this rant before, but if you're a landlord and you call it your home, I want to push back at that and say, if you don't know every in and out of every flood and about how the back door doesn't always open or about how when you turn on the faucet, you know, it's a squealing noise that happens in another room. Or <laughs> if you don't know all these weird intricate things about that place that you think is your home that isn't your home you know people who live there tenants who live there who pay you monthly to live in that space it's their home your property there's a big difference and i want you to be mindful of that you hold more of the cards than you want to let on and any landlord who says they don't have enough rights as a landlord I'm going to tell you right now, you're a bull-faced liar, and you are not paying attention to the realities. You're the person who, at the end of the day, you decide who lives there and who does not. And you cannot deny the power dynamics, okay? The power dynamics are this. They wouldn't have a home. That home that they're living in right now wouldn't be their home if you made the choice to say no to them. And that needs to be... A constant reminder when you're you're working with tenants. Even if you get a tenant that you think is a nightmare, mm-hmm. I need you to just take a step back and ask yourself, did you do all the things to make sure they weren't a nightmare? Now, I'm not going to deny there have been people who are awful, but for every person who's been awful, there's 10 who haven't been. Yeah. And the other ones are just trying to live their life and make honest mistakes or things go wrong, and you treat them like they're the 2% of the problem. And that's that's where I just it drives me nuts. So you will have better tenants if you take care of your tenants like they're humans. Exactly. And you stop ignoring them and pushing them off. Because now we just gave advice to Aaron, who might be doing work herself, right? And Aaron's going to do the best they can. But you, as a landlord, should be doing that job. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't be putting it on the damn tenant and maybe potentially making a problem that didn't have to be there to begin with. So that's my hot take. So. Tell it. Yeah, another episode of Mercury <laughs> saying, go fuck yourself, landlords. Uh, <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Was it the last question? Was that the...
Is there one more? There is one more. There's one more question. Wow, look at that. I didn't even know. I was like gearing up for me to end the episode. Let's get it. Ooh, a bonus question, which is not really a bonus question at all. (laughs) Hi, this is Maddie. She, her pronouns. I had a question that's maybe not directly related to home repair, but what items or tools or materials should I just keep on hand at home? Maybe both like at the most basic essentials to like, this would be nice things to keep around in case of emergency home repair. So I don't have to rush to the store. Um, Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, this is such a good question. I love this stuff. So we're talking about emergency home repair stuff. I would say I want a little bit of like a cord of a joint compound. (laughs) I want to have a little bit of extra drywall. I want to have... Like you know, like a like a foot by like a uh, twelve inch by twelve inch piece of drywall, right? You know, or scrap drywall, some two by fours. Like I like to have like maybe like some scrap wood here and there for odd end projects. It's easier to mount a TV directly in the wall if you got a two by four underneath yep. it holding it up. You know, I've done that before where I've screwed a, a two by four into the wood of the drywall rather, and then I just mounted the TV onto that wood. Make sure the le- the wood was level, and then just use the the the, the wood as a mounting plate, and mm, then mm-hmm. that works so much easier. We did that the, when we were hanging the whiteboard the other day here, Maggie. Yeah, I screwed to make sure the whiteboard was level. I just put the the piece of two by four on the wall, made sure the the you know it just screws into a drywall. Yeah, and then I just made sure it was level, and then I put the whiteboard on top of that, and then nice. mounted the rest of it. Yeah, there's two little holes, but you can barely see the holes, and they're easier to cover up and fix. Yeah. So, and we're going to fix the wall anyways. But those things are really helpful. Now, now let's get into electrical and plumbing, because those are always the ones we think about when we're talking about this stuff, right? Now, of course, of course, tools. Having things specifically for these are going to matter, right? Like having wire strippers, having an adjustable groove joint pliers, mm-hmm. having, you know... Those kind of things for plumbing and electrical, some electrical tape, having wire nuts, having like a spool of like six, 14 to 16 gauge wire might be good just in case in a pinch, you know. And then when we're talking about plumbing, that wouldn't, that's when I would probably grab some type of like flex tubing that has like a quick clamp on it. Where you can like just cover something up and then, oh, sure. you know what I'm talking about, Maggie? Maybe I'm going to look it up to be. There's like there's um there's there's nuts that you can tighten up on the straps, and it looks almost like a tube that has wires around it. I always forget what it's called. I always call it flex tubing, but I don't know if it's actually called it or flex clamp. And it just wraps around the pipe. And if you're having like a really bad problem and it's a crack somewhere, you can always just like wrap it around there, and then that will squeeze it. Do you know? Um, it, just like, yeah, like flex. Show me what it is. Before uh, you... Nope, that's not what I'm oh. talking about. Hold on, give me one second, Maggie. Okay, I got it. No, I I knew it. I knew it. I was real close. Repair <laughs> clamps. Repair clamps. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you can get like a re- repair clamp tube, repair clamp. These little things that just wrap around it. In a pinch, those are really handy. Yeah. Because if something cracks underneath your sink or something and you don't have time, A, get a little bit of like a bucket. Put the bucket underneath there and clamp it a little bit, and I'll buy you at least a day, so you can actually take a look at it. I I think it's just best practice to have like spare, you know, sink assemblies. They're they're only like 
10 to 15 dollars and they're pvc and if you like the p-trap yeah like the p-trap and mm. the, the whole sink assembly right. is technically called an s-trap and if you take the whole thing and you hold it it look is in the shape of a p and it makes it ass and blah 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 blah. but like it the whole the whole area itself having a sink assembly would make uh, you know a better repair then and then when you're having a crank or like a loose anything or other you can just go into that and just replace it out i would also say having like a good toilet auger for your toilet because that can become an emergency really quickly uh having a good bellows plunger which is a like an accordion plunger but it's big and it's bulky and then having a good beehive or flange plunger basically making sure that your poop is ready to go <laughs> and that you're safe in that route and having some electrical some plumbing and then also just know this, that no matter how prepared you are, you're not mm-hmm. going to be ready to go every time. And some things are just going to happen. But I like to have a little bit of that stuff. Like some plumber putty, some plumber tape, that thread mm-hmm. tape. Having that kind of stuff is really good to go. Having a good drill, making sure that they're always charged. And that, yeah, that's basically where I would go. I know that seems like a lot, but there's <laughs> always going to be more. like your most common, yeah. And then of course, issues and emergencies. The fundamental tools: having that good utility knife, having that adjustable groove joint pliers, having Allen set, having the multi screwdriver, having the drill bit set, having that kind of stuff is going to make you a whole lot more suited, ready to go when things go wrong. But just be aware that no matter how much preparation you have, you're never truly ready for everything. And it's okay if you're not. I always know where the nearest 24-hour store is. Because they'll mm-hmm. always have, they'll have, whatever they have, there's like 24 or 7 convenience stores. Whatever they have, you should have. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> because they're, they have the most yep. common stuff. And the convenience stores will almost always have these quick solutions for things. Like Drano and like electrical tape and whatever. Because... They're there for a reason. People yeah. show up at 24-7 in the morning. They need something really quick. Never buy it from them. Always buy a better version. But if you want to know a good idea what to get, like a first aid kit even. Good good idea. Go yeah. to the, the 24-7 convenience store and just walk in that aisle you never go in. You know, like you're always <laughs> there for soda. You're always there for bread. You're always there for like little knickknack stuff. But you never look at that one like random aisle. Look at the random aisle and just take a notepad and write everything down because that's what you're going to want. And that's a good way to find out what you might want to have, too. That's good thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like I've done this before. It's oh, you <laughs> it's almost like it's your job. You know, Maggie, I think it's time for us to start a podcast. <laughs> I think I think we would. People we, should know what you know. I think people should know what I know. <laughs> it's funny because I don't even know what I know, you know? <laughs> And you also don't know what you don't know. I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> now that we have thoroughly confused you and you're just as lost <laughs> as I am on a daily basis, I want to say thank you for listening to this episode of the Handyman Hotline. If you feel inspired and you want to roll the dice and ask me and Maggie, who I honestly feel like is more qualified sometimes to answer these questions <laughs> than I am, and you are just like, you know what? I don't know if she's going to answer it, but let's give it a try. <laughs> Please give us a text or call the Handyman Hotline at 608-205-8768. And if you, you can even text us, and we might read it off during the show. Or if you want to make sure we actually listen to it, make sure you leave a voicemail, and we will get right back to you the best we can on the episode. 
And as always, Maggie, what should they remember? You're worth the time it takes to learn a new skill. Have a good day, take care, and bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode of the Handyman Hotline, you can listen to an even longer version by supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, $10 or more, you'll be able to get an extra long 30 to 45 minute section every single week. Isn't that amazing? More of me and Maggie. Wow! So thank you so much for all those who already support us, and you too can support us and listen to more on our Patreon. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us keep the pirate ship alive by supporting our sponsors, the wonderful iFixit. They fight for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides to make your life a little bit easier. So grab your head.